Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by my man, Anthony Slater, who covers the Golden State Warriors for The Athletic. And we're going to break down a big offseason ahead for the Warriors. We've got Draymond Green's free agency. We'll take a look at the Jordan Poole for Chris Paul trade. Clay Thompson potential extension talks. There's always chatter about Jonathan Kaminga's future and trade talks that we could talk about. Uh, the end of the Bob Myers era and the start of the Mike Dunleavy era. Maybe we'll sprinkle a little intel on my paisan Dante DiVincenzo and much more. Anthony, I appreciate you joining me as always, brother. How's everything your way this offseason? Very good. Busy. I mean, you mentioned a busy offseason ahead. I mean, I feel like the Warriors already, their big ticket item was checked off in a lot of ways with that, uh, you know, Jordan Poole for Chris Paul trade on, you know, right before the draft, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think, first of all, I, I don't think there's going to be a bigger acquisition uh, in the Warriors community other than you having a kid. Congratulations to you. That's a big thing. God bless. Uh, it's it's tough to get sleep as it is during free agency. This this is right up your alley this time. You will be well prepared, my friend. Congrats to you on that. Appreciate it. I signed up for it. <laughs> there you go. That's a that's a, a long term lifetime contract yes, for sure. Yes, it is max deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, speaking of uh, long term deals, you know, we've got Draymond Green who opted out and is going to be an unrestricted free agent coming up shortly here and. From what I've heard, the the Warriors are optimistic about re-signing Draymond Green. Uh, league source told Hoops, I, I, I'm curious from your standpoint, if there's a range you think that he can have and, and a number of years with Golden State or, or somewhere else. I know, I know I have a ballpark idea in my mind, but you're there on the ground every day. So I will certainly defer to you on this one. Yeah, look, three years has been the conversation really from the beginning. Uh, you know, that lines up with Steph Curry's, uh, you know, current contract, obviously. And it just gives Draymond Green a level of security. I think when he did um, opt out or at least, you know, make it clear he plans to opt out, uh, it, it told you that he at least felt he had a market that was somewhere near the $27.6 million that he declined for next season. Uh, you know, for multiple years, that three-year deal we're talking about. And you know, you mentioned ballpark. I think that's where the haggling uh, might be at this point, which is I think the Warriors would like to trim that down because, look, every we we all know this, but every million the Warriors save is, you know, seven, eight, nine extra million in tax, uh, you know, with their crazy bill. So as much as they can shave it down, they'd like to as much as Draymond Green can bump it up. He'd like to. I think um, his exterior market you know there's been several western conference playoff contenders rivals out there that have at least sniffed around on it uh that that probably will help bump draymond's number up but uh all signs continue to point to him returning to the warriors i mean he was adamant you know 
postseason, right after the series, that he wanted to be back. The Warriors, you know, from Steve Kerr to Mike Dunleavy, he have come out and said we're not championship contenders if he does not return. And then, as we all know, actions speak louder than words in this league. And at this time of year, there are you know, certain moves that indicate what might be coming when free agency happens, you know, Hey, this guy, you know, declined a team option. Hey, the Kings made a trade on draft night. They gave them this amount of space. Well, to me, the Chris Paul, the Jordan pool for Chris Paul move, just, it was a blinking light, like Draymond green. It, all indications are he's coming back. Cause you do not make that move. You do not bet on the present. If you don't believe almost know that Draymond green is coming back. I agree with you for sure, Anthony. I think, you know, the the stars were aligning on that and, and the dominoes were falling seemingly in place. Um, you look at, you know, you talked about his player option. I mean, look, I think if he got a multi-year deal in like the $25 million range or something like that, but you're, you know, having that over multiple years, you get that security, maybe something like that. You've heard certainly. Three team, for 80, right? You know, something. That's probably what we're talking, right? For, uh, yeah, I mean, that's maybe with some incentives or something, you know, you know yeah. how they structure this stuff, but that mm-hmm. I could, that's an interesting uh, thought there. I don't, yeah. And I mean, I think when you look at some of the teams that have kind of been floated out there, like, look, certainly Mike Brown with Sacramento, I get the wanting to have a reunion and he ironically would be a guy that I think fit well there on paper, but you know, they've got their sights on other targets as well. There's certainly Kyle Kuzma reported stuff out there. Other than that, uh, you know, you obviously heard some talk previously about like maybe the Pistons because of the location and Draymond played for Michigan State, but I, I don't Bad really, fit. I don't really see that at all. Um, other than that location fit aspect, and I think there was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a report about the Grizzlies that maybe. Um, and yeah, Mark Stein put that out there and I, you know, I've heard similar, but I, I basically heard when they made the mark, you know, that big Marcus smart trade, which included, by the way, trading a warriors first rounder to, uh, the Celtics in that deal, um, that, that, you know, in a lot of ways that ended any dream on pursuit. Interesting on that. So, I mean, I think we're both pretty in alignment that Draymond green comes back to the, to the warriors at this point, um, just makes sense for all sides involved and. You know, just with this dynasty, I mean, I know everybody talks about, oh, when is the end? When is the end? Because that's what everybody looks forward to, I guess, you know, looking ahead. But to me, they're still a contender. They obviously had a good year last year. They didn't get to the top of the mountain, but the core is still there. And if you're Golden State, given where they were before that uh, that trio was there, I, I don't think you should just let it go. So I, I certainly see them back. Um, You touched on it a little bit, too, about Jordan Poole being moved and how it was kind of uh, given a little bit of a preview of what's to come probably with Draymond. And, you know, look, when Mike Dunleavy was at the press conference and and you tweeted the video of him saying, you know, with his contract extension, we're planning on having him here for four more years at least. Nobody around the league really believed that. And sure enough, he was traded, you know, days later, or at least it was agreed to. Um, yeah, every, somebody behind the scenes said, told me, you know, four years, how about four days? It was four days after that comment <laughs> that he got traded. Yeah, uh, and everybody knew Golden State had to shed a big salary if it was going to keep the core together. And, you know, Poole was the odd man out. Now, Chris Paul coming in, um, the fit is interesting because he's not a transition guy as much anymore. More of, half court, of a half-court methodical guy 
uh, especially last season with the Suns. So, I mean, I'll say this, Anthony. I think if you're a guy that plays like fantasy basketball or something, you know, you probably take the over on Jordan Poole points with the Wizards oh, yeah. next year. He's going to he's gonna have a, a, a green light like nobody's business and a ton of shots, you know, have an opportunity to grow and be the guy, I guess, there. But not on a winning team at this point. They're in a full rebuild, looking to get assets for some of their guys as well. Um, you know, and with Chris Paul coming to the Warriors, how do you see that fit, honestly? Yeah, so, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk about the idea that he doesn't necessarily fit stylistically. You know, always heavy pick and roll. Warriors are low pick and roll. Like you mentioned, he's not some speedy, you know, jack the ball, you know, get the ball up the court, you know, take a bunch of threes type guy. But I think people forget over over the entire Steve Kerr era with, you know, various different title teams, the second unit, the non-Steph Curry minutes, are always very different stylistically. Dave, they used to run the high post David West, like, you know, hub action. They used to, Sean Livingston used to play kind of methodically in that unit. And, you know, Andre Iguodala would be back a point guard at times. And Andrew Bogut, you know, again, kind of playing that David West role. Like they've had a lot of, you know, veteran, slow it down, methodical type units i used to call that one that had it was livingston west iguodala and like ian clark we used to call it like the dinosaur unit they were like older and and it it was they would win like the warriors would you know this were the durant warriors they would deliver them like a you know a 40 to 35 first quarter lead and then over the next six minutes while steph sat and often durant sat too the the score at the end would be like six four you know, they play this like super slow, you know, crank the game down, completely different style. And I, I, I mentioned all that to say, like, I think that's what Steve Kerr envisions his second unit next season being, uh, you know, Chris Paul's leading it. Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody maybe will be in it and can, and can benefit from having a traditional point guard, some rim running action for Kaminga. And you just you can go heavy Chris Paul pick and roll and maybe, you know, spread the floor, maybe clays in that unit to, to kind of space the floor. I think Steve Kerr has a lot more to play with. And if you know, Steve Kerr, he loves himself a traditional point guard. And at times I think he really struggled with the Jordan Poole experience because Jordan Poole fourth in the league in turnovers last season. We know the shot selection. I think it is going to play well in Washington as like a really fun new, you know, semi star that they're going to have. But I think, Steve Kerr, in a lot of ways, just wanted, as he's called before with Andre Iguodala, a chaperone on the court, essentially. A chaperone. I like that. And I mean, with Jordan Poole, yeah. Once in a while, he'd have these moments of like Trey Young-itis, I'll call it, where he was shooting these like deep threes. And you could tell like Steph would be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, Yeah, the joke was at times that he would take Steph's heat checks, right? It was yeah. like, <laughs> Steph's hit two in a row. All right, I'm hot too, you know, but... Yeah, that's Jordan Poole for good and bad, because like he had a lot of good, very good moments for the Warriors, including he was a key part of the title team. But, you know, things went sideways, obviously. Hey, like like Andrew Wiggins and him were saying after we about to get a bag. And guess what? They, 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 they did. Got, they did. But, you know, you were talking too a little bit about Jonathan Kaminga and how uh, Steve Kerr would use him a little bit. And, and, and the Chris Paul uh, analysis you were providing there and. You know, for a, a bit there, I mean, Jonathan Kaminga drew interest from several teams, including the Indiana Pacers, which yeah. those talks, from my understanding, centered mostly around draft pick conversation. Yeah. Um, Seventh and, uh, pick. 
Yeah, and a lot of different stuff out there, different scenarios. So, I mean, if he wasn't getting traded for that, um, I'm curious a couple things. One, I mean, I've heard like a handful of teams have always called on Jonathan Kaminga, even dating to before the trade deadline um, and over the past year. It seems like there are are Um, a handful of teams that like him. So what I'm curious of is two things. Who, in your estimation around the league, really covets Jonathan Kaminga? And do you see him as a Golden State Warrior to start the season? I mean, you mentioned it, the Pacers clearly have checked in. Um, you know, I know in the past, like, you know, Raptors conversations, we we know that the Warriors have checked in on OGN and OB dating back to the deadline. Even this offseason, our Tim Calcom reported that uh, today, I believe. And it's... It makes sense. Like, who wouldn't want a, a six foot seven, you know, freak athlete wing with some high upside offensively? And he has shown flashes of being, a, a, you know, a, an incredible individual defender. They put him on star. You know, he, he guards Luca pretty well. They they'll have him just pick up Luca full court for five minute stretches. And he's a guy who, if you're around the league, you see him out of the rotation in the playoffs. You're thinking, hey, this is a like absolutely perfect buy low candidate in a league that's obsessed with wings. So I think. You know, if we really named who's actually interested in John Kaminga, probably 17 teams out there, really. You know, some more than others. Um, as far as do I see him on the Warriors next season? Yes, I do not think he's going to be traded. Uh, I don't think he was being shopped. I do think the Warriors, you know, and as we're seeing early in the Mike Dunleavy era, are very willing to have any type of conversation you want to have as long as you're not basically asking for Steph Curry. Um, so he was bandied about in conversation. But um, they were adamant, you know, even when a report came out that like it sounded as if they were shopping them, you know, high in the draft. They're like, we ain't shopping them. Again, they'll answer the call. They'll answer inbound calls on him. But I just I truly think uh, and and through the conversations with people behind the scenes about rotations and, and various roster spots next year, like he is part of the Warriors plans moving forward. And there is still a belief um, in the talent. The thing is, it's got to fit. You know, Steve Kerr's got to get him on the floor and they got to find lineup combinations, all that. But um, yeah, I mean, he he's part of their plans. One guy who I don't see being a part of Golden State's plans looking ahead. Uh, you've got Dante DiVincenzo who won't return to Golden to the Golden State Warriors, I'm told. I mean, look, and, and it's a good thing for him because, look, he's yeah. earned certainly a, a massive pay raise. He may very much um almost double if not fully double his uh what he could have got with golden state so i can't blame the guy um look for my paisan it's there's about a handful of teams interested um that are going to be waiting for him around the uh start of free agency let me ask you the big one that uh, you know seems to be the rumbling seem to be the knicks there's a villanova connection jalen brunson josh Mm -hmm. hart i know him he's very friendly with those two oh they have the mid-level that seems to be in his ballpark. Are you? Is that where you're thinking he might go? That's certainly one of the handful of teams. But what I would tell you, Anthony, is that with when it comes to Dante DiVincenzo, that um, he's kind of competing in this market for that similar money. I would say at least at least when it comes from uh, the mid level exception teams with Bruce Brown, with maybe a Max Struess and. I think Dante and Bruce have somewhat similar games, somewhat, um, you know, Bruce has become a better three point shooter over the years, but um, you know, with the Knicks, look, it's always CAA ties for a guy like Bruce. Number one, Um, 
he's a Tom Thibodeau type of guy, but Dante DiVincenzo equally is. Look, you you hit on a nail on the head. Look, Jalen Brunson's got a voice with that team. It's it's his team. And so he obviously loves Dante. Um, my question then would be if you are going after Dante DiVincenzo and you already have Josh Hart, like at some point you've got this surplus of guards there. Like, what are you then going to do with RJ Barrett? What are you going to do with Quentin Grimes? You, you've got to, in my opinion, break that up. I don't think there's enough minutes to evenly dish, uh, distribute to make them all happy. So, um, I think if Dante DiVincenzo is coming in with the Knicks, then I think there would be another domino that falls. I, I just can't see all those guys playing together and having uh fair minute distribution. I, I can't. They're, they play too much of the same position similarly. Um, so if that does come to fruition, whether it's Dante DiVincenzo or Bruce Brown, then I would look for um, that next domino to fall for sure. Um, but again, like Dante's market, certainly I think it's closer to the non-taxpayer mid-level than the taxpayer mid-level. And that's going to make it interesting for some teams. You know, look, certainly there are some teams out there uh, with cap space that could look at him. Um, but I, I just think that He's a winner and a guy that would fit better, in my opinion, on a contending team. You saw he played both roles as well as a starter and off the bench with Golden State. The biggest thing teams like about him, from my understanding, is obviously he's a good defender, but really the way he shot the three ball last year, if they can bottle that up around like 40% again, um, that is highly coveted. Yeah, yeah, no, he's versatile. You mentioned he can play various roles. He's well-liked in the locker room. He did hit the three well last year off the dribble at times even. He's kind of a secondary playmaker. He rebounds incredibly well for his position. Uh, and you mentioned he wins. He won in college. He's, uh, you know, was on a Bucks team that won the championship, even though obviously he was hurt in the playoffs. Uh, and he, you know, was a winning component for the Warriors last year. And uh, the Warriors would have loved to have him back. But, I mean, they knew the deal coming in. They they got him on a below market deal, understanding that he was, their hope was he was going to play so well. He played himself out of their market. He did the most they can pay him, I think, is like $5.6 million. We know that's not happening. So. Yeah, and I mean, look, that's a win-win scenario for the Warriors. You know, when they've won, they found these guys like the Gary Payton, uh, the second, uh, Otto Porter at the time, uh, you know, all these minimum guys. I mean, I know Dante was more than a minimum, but they're going to have to, you know, bottle that success up again and really try to find those guys that are playing on a make good deal and, you know, thrive with them. Um, but I mean, other than that, when I look at the Warriors in the off season, I mean, look, I think we, we talked a lot about Draymond Green and him remaining a part of the core. They've also got a looming decision on Clay Thompson and a possible extension uh, down the line. I'm, you know, I, I certainly think, uh, but Clay wants to, remain a warrior for life. I think that's pretty, um, well, I mean, do you, do you believe that? I, I, I've always gotten yes, that, I, you know, all things equal for sure. You know, the, the decisions get complicated with the second apron, you know, especially if Clay Thompson plays himself into a big payday, it's, it's pretty difficult for the warriors to stomach, a you know, a huge Clay Thompson, you know, another huge Clay Thompson contract. I do think the Jordan pool trade directly, you know, this moment, impacts 
Draymond Green's future and makes it much more likely that Draymond Green was coming back as we talked about. But I think longer term, bigger picture, it may have an even more direct impact on Klay Thompson's ability to stay with the Warriors because by getting off, you know, Jordan Poole's long-term contract, you get Chris Paul in who has a completely non-guaranteed 30 million next season that um, can't, you know, it gives them optionality. You can wipe that away. You can, you know, use it in a trade. You can, like I see, if you just let Chris Paul walk, then suddenly there is a lot more room for you to stay under the second apron while, you know, retaining Clay Thompson. Now, as far as an extension goes this summer, uh, Clay Thompson would have to take a, you know, pretty obvious pay cut. He's making 43 million right now. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I don't know how low a number we're talking. My expectation is, you know, Probably something doesn't get done just because I think Clay Thompson's of the belief. I mean, we all know how confident he is in his ability and his shot making. Um, he could go try to play himself into more money this year because the the higher he gets his market, uh, with, you know, where he can get his market higher with a better season. So I'm not sure they'll necessarily work something out, but I do think the path has been cleared for them to continue their partnership beyond this season. I could certainly understand that. Look, he definitely does not lack uh, confidence, Clay. <laughs> I mean, no. it's it. Is there a range that you think the Warriors would be looking to to get him in, as far as like I don't know, an annual salary a year? Did, is that a, something that you? Have I would an just kind of compare it a little bit to the Andrew Wiggins situation last year. Remember, Wiggins was making like I don't know, like thirty one, thirty three, something like that on on um, the last season, which was last year, and uh, the Warriors you know, ask them to take a, you know, an extension that included a pay cut uh, that, you know, that'll start this upcoming season. Uh, I don't have the exact number up, but I think it's in the mid 20 range, like 24, 25 ish. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think the Warriors have advanced to actually talking numbers with clay because there's so much other stuff at play. They're just installed a new GM, the Draymond green future, the Jordan pool trade. Um, so, but if I'm just like, you know, throwing, you know, loose, numbers out there i would think the andrew wiggins extension type numbers go look at what the contract he signed that seems somewhat reasonable for what clay you know is still giving as a shooter he led the nba and made threes last year yeah i mean you, you kind of touched on it with the new uh gm so when you look at the bob myers era and the end of it um i guess a couple of thoughts for me come to mind one i mean how do you i guess summarize it but also, um, were you a little bit shocked that at this point uh, it was curtains for for Bob Myers in, in Golden State and and stepping away for a little bit? To your question, no. I mean, we were reporting it all season. I mean, all the vibes behind the the scenes were this was you know probably the swan song. He was really kind of contemplating his future. Um, there was a gap in the money, you know, the compensation at least in the initials, you know, offer uh, from Joe Lacob and what Bob Myers believed he was worth. But, you know, by the end, it wasn't a money thing. And, he, you know, he, he said it publicly, but he was there was a little burnout on the job, which, you know, this dates back several years. I mean, it's a more than a decade tenure he had, four titles, a lot of big, crazy moments. I mean, going back to those 2019 finals with the, with the KD Achilles tear, the Clay Thompson ACL. So, um, how would I look at his tenure? I mean, he's one of the most successful executives ever. Um, hometown team. He's a kid from Tamville. It was kind of a surprising hire at the time. When you go back, they got him out of the agent world and he built incredible, you know, 
behind the scenes relationships. I think he was about as good as I can ever imagine a GM at that job being a, a, an actual manager of, you know, egos, players, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that worked in, you know, getting the Andre Iguodala sign and trade done, which was a difficult one. Uh, he is considered the main reason that Kevin Durant actually made that move. That's one of the uh, best free agent signings in NBA history. Uh, he maintains a probably a better relationship with Kevin Durant today than anybody uh, from the Warriors. And then, um, you know, I think the Andrew Wiggins and, and Kaminga for D'Angelo Russell trade was a kind of a stroke of genius that got them that fourth title. So, I mean, again, like I said, one of the best executives ever. To your point, I think Bob Myers was one of the first successful agent to executive guys in the league. And I think it further helped open the door for other people to come after him, such as, for example, a Rob Palenka. Um, now, with Mike Dunleavy, um, you know, I've always got the meme queued up of him with uh, the Chicago Bulls on the bench, like looking at the camera, nodding. I, uh, had a had a quote tweet that with the the Jordan Poole trade after he made that move, but I mean, when you look at Mike Dunleavy, how could things maybe be done differently now in Golden State with him in in the head chair? What what is different maybe about him than Bob? I just think the main difference it, um, from Mike coming in is like their situations. I mean, this the, if even if Bob stayed in the job, this is such a transitional phase for a you know you know, fading dynasty core that's, you know, still wants to win as much as possible, kind of needs to make more all-in moves. Bob Myers was always an extremely patient GM, uh, calculated, and not that Mike Dunleavy won't be. They have very similar personalities. They're incredibly good friends. Bob Myers brought Mike Dunleavy into the organization, but I just think as you've seen with Mike so far, I mean, he's coming at it in at a time that aggressiveness is needed, and he's pulled the trigger early on some pretty big moves. Um, as far as my biggest question about Mike Dunleavy, um, I think he's going to, he's he's very sharp if you talk to him. He's got incredible connections across the league. Obviously, he did a 15-year playing career. He grew up around the league because of his dad. His dad was a player coach, GM. Um, but my biggest question with Dunleavy compared to Bob Myers is the the relationship stuff. Like, uh, as I said, Bob Myers put out fires behind the scenes for a decade and was insanely good at doing it uh you know so what happens this season when the first draymond green incident pops up when the first you know when there is kind of tension between coaching staff and the ownership group about you know young players playing time stuff like that um that is what bob myers was best at uh and i we don't know on mike dunleavy yet on the you know, on that front well time will tell on that but i'm certainly looking forward to seeing what moves Mike has up his sleeve and I'm looking forward to seeing your coverage of the Warriors on the athletic brother you always do a great job very thorough and detailed and I appreciate you taking some time to join me and break down a, a busy offseason ahead for Golden State brother yep thanks for having me oh, my pleasure man I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players coaches executives and media members such as Anthony Slater. You can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're giving my man Anthony a follow, too. He's at Anthony V. Slater. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, 
human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.